Triple Darcy, I'm looking for one thing and one thing only, and that's a title shot. So we can either do this the easy way or the hard way. You know, something stone called Beverly Hills. I am the WWF main event status champion. I will defend my title against who I want. What is the easy way? What is the hard way? The easy way is you giving me that title shot, and the hard way is you leaving in a body bag. Well, you know something, Jack? You ain't getting Jack, Jack. And what the game plan is, I will choose who my challenger is later tonight on SmackDown. And that is the game plan. From the intersection of Sunset Boulevard and Pastry, Minnesota, moved all over Maine. Event status radio with your host, Mr. Beverly Hills, Kino 210, and the Dirty Dog Darcy. Welcome back to Main Event Status Radio. I am the Dirty Dog Darcy, joined as always by the greatest broadcast partner after Bobby Heenan, Beverly Hills. Oh, be so my heart, uh, dirty dog. I'm so excited. That was, that was such a touching intro. I, I'm just, you know, just I'm all flabbergasted. What can I say? I like to touch your heart every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than some of the touching that Rock talked about on this episode of SmackDown, that's for sure. So, yeah, we are talking about the fourth episode of WWF SmackDown from Thursday, September 16th, 1999 from... Las Vegas, Nevada, at the Thomas and Mack Center. Beverly, what is, or where were you as a wrestling fan in September of 1999? Man, I was in it. Like, this is my wheelhouse. I got, we got a dish out to our countryside home in September of 98, and that really got me into, uh, WWF in general, and then when SmackDown came around, and I remember the beginning of smackdown distinctly for uh one of my friends that he didn't have cable still so he would always try to talk to us about wrestling and he just didn't know what we were talking about and then when the first smackdown came on he's like guys guys there's wrestling on my tv now (laughs) (laughs) like i don't yeah at at this time i well yeah because i moved from yeah, one like a small town in Cambridge or in Minnesota, Cambridge to Malacca, right around the Christmas of '98. So yeah. I had raw nitro up to you know December of '98. Then I moved to Malacca, which is about I guess about an hour east of St. Cloud, and we yeah we did, we just had basic television. So up at this time, we all, I only got like WCW Worldwide on Saturdays around, <laughs> yeah. around noon, and a lot of times I was doing homework or chores around that time, so I was barely able to catch it, maybe once a month for half the show, if that. Then, yeah, so I was excited when SmackDown came on, on UPN, for I was actually halfway able to catch, you know, at least a show one, once a week to at least keep, somewhat keep up with the storylines with my friends during school. Right. Yeah, so, and this is the time, yeah, this is my big, the height of my fandom. Even though some of this stuff I didn't really exactly remember. Well, yeah, yeah, same here. But I was excited, I know I picked this episode because, well, just because of what we'll see in the main event, which I don't want to spoil it quite yet if you guys don't know what happened in the fourth episode. But I was 
I did pick this episode for we can go back to 1999 WWF just to see, I guess, the differences between what we saw with earlier shows from Raw from 93 to 95. Right. Which I felt like we saw a lot of differences from, you know, four years after the fact, four or five years after the fact. Hugely different. You know, so I guess, you know, we talk about the hugely differences. We went from the classic Raw intro to, in my opinion, the classic SmackDown intro. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody on the ground theme song. Oh, that's what that's called? Well, I think, because if you kind of listen to it, you know, listen to it, you can hear some, sound like somebody saying, everybody on the ground, everybody on the ground, and all that, so. <laughs> uh, whatever. But, bef- but, but before we go to the classic SmackDown intro, we also uh, got the attitude WWF intro a- intro the you know the I don't know whatever whatever it was but then we go that one sounds like yes then we go to a video package from earlier in the night where the referees were on strike because of unsafe working conditions. I loved this storyline. I I don't know why, but in. 1999 I just ate this up. I don't I really don't even get it why I loved it, but man, it was it was one of the my most favorite uh storylines of the time. I think it was just cuz I really liked seeing who the replacement refs were going to be. Yes, cuz I know I totally forgot about this storyline, but once you know, once this episode of SmackDown opened up with that it made me Smile to see, yeah, like you said, to see who they'll pull out for the rough race for the for the night. Yeah, yeah, and this is the first episode of of this with the referee strike. They kind of get into a routine after a few weeks of like who the the normal ones are. This one we have a little crazier time with it. <laughs> Fair enough. After a while, it gets to usually it gets to be Tom Pritchard, um, Jim Corderas. Crossed the line, crossed the picket line, and he was a scab ref. So he was on that side. Hmm. I don't know if there were any other. Tom Pritchard was the big one, and then Jimmy Curtis. Dave Hebner? Yeah, I don't know. And I have a theory about that when we get to it. Okay, yeah, I'll talk about that too (laughs) once we get to it too. I don't know if it's the same thing, but then, yeah, I guess, yeah, then we go to the classic SmackDown intro. Then Michael Cole welcomes us to WWF SmackDown on UPN. And Jerry right. Lawler's with them. Uh-huh. Then uh, what, what's your thoughts on the pairing of Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler in the late 90s, early 2000s? Ah, uh, man. You know, I I don't like it, and it's not just because, like, I don't like Cole or whatever, which you'd think would be the normal thing. I think I don't like it because Ross was always able to kind of rein in King and kind of... Um, almost even like chastise him when he was being too much. Whereas in this episode, especially man, he is just given free reign and he can do whatever he wants and frequently for my taste too much. Yeah. Cause I know I feel like, I guess, you know, they don't do it nowadays with their, with Ron and SmackDown, but I did it like how on raw you have a play by play man. Then uh, the A play, play by play man. Then on SmackDown you have the B play by play man. You have granted, granted it's the same color commentator on both shows, but at least you have yeah. a different voice on both shows, calling both shows. Right. 
And you know, nine was, or was this the time when Cole was on both? I, for some reason, I'll say uh, Ross was around this at this time. Okay, because I, because I know, at least in November of '99, I know Jr. was around because yeah, the. I I watched Survivor Series '99 a few months ago, and I know Ross was on the show doing play-by-play. Okay, all right, sounds good. Yeah, I know he was at the Royal Rumble 2000 as well, and after. Oh yeah, right, because that's all with the candy jar, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. So well, then, yeah, then you're right about that. So, which you know, which yeah, like I said, I enjoyed having you know the play two different play-by-play mans on both shows. Now nowadays. I think they're starting to try to differentiate that, you know, because I know they have a three-man booth on both shows. I don't remember who the... I know it's uh, Lawler, JBL, and Michael Cole, and Raw. It's Michael Cole, JBL, and I think a new a new guy out there. Uh, they introduced Tom Phillips. Uh, yeah, I think Tom Phillips. Smackdown, yeah, Smackdown. So I know they're at least yeah. trying to differentiate, differentiate, but, like, yeah, but I don't, you know, it would be nice if they switch it, you know, either take Michael Cole or... JBL out and put somebody else there if they want to do a three-man booth on SmackDown as well, but whatever. For sure. But, yeah, then, uh... Did you catch when Michael Cole said that SmackDown was the number one action-adventure series on network TV? Yes, like, I didn't know wrestling was action-adventure. I know, I know. I think that's the... they. Um, WWE has always kind of, like, played... Played played some games with their ratings to make it that they're always ranked near the top. So now usually they're ranked with sports because they can on cable. Their ratings are going to be higher than almost all the sports shows or sports games. But on network TV, because so many more people can watch it. Football is always number one. Every like, if you look at the ratings, football every week. Um, so, I think the reasoning there is they switch it to call it, put it in the action adventure genre, so then they can be the top action adventure show. Whatever floats McMahon's boat. Well, he likes to be on top of the ratings, so I think he always uh, will do what he can to make that possible. Then yeah, kind of like what. Well, you know, we mentioned earlier, Michael, cold questions or the program would be like with a strike of the referees. Right. Then we hear some glass breaking and the Texas rattlesnake came out. What is your thoughts on the pop that Stone Cold got when he came out? Oh my gosh, I wrote that it was insane. The crowd was um, just so loud. People were literally jumping up and down. <laughs> they showed the fans, and there were multiple adults that were in the air for Stone Cold. And it's crazy to think just how popular wrestling was in 1999. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Then, uh, yeah, Stone Cold came out and said that uh, he screwed himself out of the title shot on Monday Night Raw by striking Earl Hebner, causing him to lose by disqualification. That is one thing I like about. Stone Cold in 1999 compared to, like, John Cena nowadays, how, you know, Stone Cold was pissed off and admitted his fault for losing the, his title match on Raw, you know, a couple nights before. And how so nowadays, when John Cena loses the WWE title, he just laughs it off and goes on with his business like nothing ever, nothing changed. 
Right, that's true. So that's one thing I like about Stone. Well, I guess you know the top one of the top baby faces from 1999. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Yeah, and he said that he was gonna. Yeah, that he was mad that he didn't just continue and bash Triple H's brains in. Or no, 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 that he was. He was saying that Triple H was going to be mad that he didn't bash Stone Cold's brain in because he should have because he's going to hunt him down like the jackass he is. Yes, because I know Stone Cold said that he isn't done with Triple H because he lost by disqualification. That he said he beat Triple H's backside and Hebner was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Then he said, "Yeah, SummerSlam Triple H didn't finish the job by laying a beating on Stone Cold with a bunch of cheer shots to the knees." Yep. And Stone Cold said that things could be done the easy way or the hard way tonight. But yeah, the right. easy way would be uh, giving him a title shot in a no-holds-barred match, or the hard way would be carded out in a body bag. <laughs> then, one, two, is this on? Triple H. Yeah, Triple H in China came up with, with security. Yeah. I, I wanted- Lots of independent wrestlers dressed as cops. I wanted to talk about Triple H's uh, fashion statement with this. The sunglasses, halfway down his nose, a leather jacket, un- you know, unzipped with no, no shirt, shirt on. Pur- purple sunglasses. I wrote, what did I write down? Yeah, purple sunglasses, yeah. yeah. Purple half sunglasses, leather jacket, undone, no shirt. I'm happy that this didn't catch on. <laughs> At least he was a heel. I might come to your wedding, Beverly, like looking like this. <laughs> the shirt is optional. You need to wear the you need to wear the suit jacket, but you can just you can wear no shirt. So, and you can wear whatever kind of glasses you want. I'm down for that. <laughs> so yeah, Triple H said that yeah, that Stone Cold isn't getting a title shot. That you ain't getting Jack, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that line because you know you hear a lot of wrestlers saying, or you hear the catchphrase, you know, you ain't getting Jack, you, yep. and you hear a lot of wrestlers call each other Jack and all that. So I like how. So you that. like that? I like that line. You ain't getting Jack, Jack. <laughs> I thought it was weird. I am tempted to try Jack. try to imply that use that line, use that verbiage at work when I'm talking to one of my coworkers and all that when we're giving each other Please crap. Do. Please do. Because I know uh, this past week at work, uh, Third Shifter, Marvelous Mike, and I were giving each other shit and all that. And I was tempted, you know, I was trying to remember this line to use on him, but I couldn't remember. Oh, I will leave nicknames for all your coworkers. What can I say? Marvelous Mike, Sexy Pat, Flying Brian. Ooh, yeah. Then, then, yeah, then Triple H said that he ain't. Oh, he's been ordered to defend the title tonight, but he will be able to pick the main event set of star he'll be facing tonight. Yes, it, and I didn't catch this at the beginning, but apparently the deal was it was someone that um, it had to be someone that Stone Cold had faced in the main event. Yes. Yeah, so that's a cool wrinkle. Again, I didn't catch that, but at the beginning. And that's the name of the game, Beverly. One of the worst attempts for a catchphrase catchphrase ever. Yeah, because I know we were talking about this before we started recording, and I do not remember ever Triple H using, and that is the name of the game. That's, well, because it's awful. 
<laughs> yeah, because he didn't catch. Yeah, obviously didn't catch Johnny. Everybody catch had, Yeah, everyone had one at this time. You got rest in peace. You got because Stone Cold said so. You got what the small with the rocks cooking. Have a nice day. Nothing for Triple H, and that's why because this one sucked. We well, we do got one for the big show. Yeah, or whatever. That awful rock promo later. Yeah, it's like what the Rock said with you know raise uh, your fit your hand up in the air. Beverly, Beverly's Raspberry. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, then Austin promised that he'll follow Hunter all night long until he until he gets to him and lays a beating on him. Yes. Then we go to uh, I think Michael Cole and Lawler talk about it. Unforgiven in a few weeks, so Triple H will defend the WWF title in a six-pack challenge match against the WWF Tag Team Champions, The Undertaker, and The Big Show. Kane, The Rock, and Mankind because they weren't able to determine a number one contender for the match. So that's why they're giving Triple H his five top challengers for the paper. Right, and that was in that match was when they just uh, took out every ref that came down. So it's kind of the impetus for this ref strike as well. Then I know one thing that I don't really remember them doing before, but the Ken and Michael Cole go down, uh, go through a few matches of what we'll see later on in the night. Right. Uh, I didn't ex- yeah, I didn't remember them doing this uh, frequently either. Yeah, because it reminded me of the you know, the first few years of Monday Night Raw that the announcers just did that before. Right. Mm-hmm. Then we go to the first match of the night: Shane McMahon versus Joey Abs from the Mean Streak Posse. Do you remember Terry Runnels ever being with the Mean Streak Posse? No. Uh. Uh-uh, never. I, I don't either. When uh, she came out with, you know, the Mean Streak Posse, like, I don't remember ever this pairing. Yep. No, I don't remember that. I bro, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, they did show before the match started. They showed Sydney Margolis. From UPN show Shasta McNasty. Now, have you ever heard of UPN show Shasta McNasty? Or have you ever heard of Cindy Margolis? I remember hearing about the show when I was watching SmackDown on UPN during this time. I totally forgot about it until we watched this episode. I don't remember Cindy, what's your name? <laughs> well, Shasta McNasty lasted like two episodes, so I'm even surprised that you uh, remember it. Fair enough. But yeah. She's, Smart Goals was kind of a big deal, though, for a while. Well, she, she was the most downloaded woman on the internet. I will say for 1999, she was a beautiful lady. <laughs> a little too fake for me. Yeah, understandable. But yeah, Shane came out right away and his wrestling gear and grabbed a mic and challenged Joey to a fight because Joey... Well, I guess the Mean Streak Posse didn't stay out of Stephanie's happiness when Shane asked him too nicely. Yeah. So yeah, the posse came out and Shane jumped over the, jumped over the top rope and attacked him. Oh, I think no, wait, no, just regular, just slide out in the ring and attacked him. And yeah, there was no bell. Oh, there was a bell, but no referee because it's a strike. Right away. Yeah, right. It's just them fighting. Yeah. Then Jerry Briscoe came out and was the referee <laughs> for like three seconds before Pekas pulled him out of the ring and started beating on him. Yes. Yeah, so then Pat but Patterson came did out. Fight back. And then Pat Patterson came out in a rough shirt. In khaki shorts. Yes. <laughs> then uh, then, uh, then Shane, had, Shane had the cover, then Rodney pulled him out and attacked, attacked him right before Patterson was able to uh, count the three. 
Right. Yeah, and so then Sean Stasiak comes out as a ref. Do you remember, like, a Sean Stasiak Mean Street Posse feud or Sean Stasiak with Shane McMahon? I don't remember any of that. The only thing I remember was from Sean Stasiak <laughs> in the WWF was his failed character as Meat. Right. You know, then, well, cause I remember him on... Watch Nintendo 64 game, the WWF uh, WrestleMania 2000 game. I remember him as meat on that and all that. I remember shortly thereafter he changed his name to Sean Stasiak. Yeah. Uh, for a character change, then the shortly thereafter I remember he jumped to WCW. So I, I was just going to look when he jumped to WCW. Next, I remember one of the. I think, yeah, I bought two WCW, I think 2000 pay per views on VHS. I don't know, like five years ago at the at Goodwill for a dollar apiece. I remember, I think on one of the pay-per-views that we watched, Sean Stasiak was on that show. So I don't think it was shortly, I think it was shortly, there, shortly after this episode that he would jump. Right. Yeah, um, I was going to say, oh yeah, Sean Stasiak, he, so he got fired? I, for, I had totally forgotten this, but... Now that I, I see it, I remember it. He w- was recording people's conversations in the locker room and yeah. without them knowing it. So obviously that's, I don't know, that's not cool business practice. So Yeah, as I was say that, I, I would frown upon people at, at my job recording conversations just for whatever. Right. Well, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I was using them to try to try to get them in trouble or something like that. So yeah, they they later fired him. Then he went to WCW. Yeah. Then uh, we must go to the finish. That Shane hit a nice. I I felt like a nice spear for him. Went yeah. To, went to the top rope, hit a some kind of flying man flying what a maneuver. <laughs> I called it a twisting senton. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't figure out what that move was supposed to be. So right. Flying senton, flying what a maneuver. And yeah, Stasiak <laughs> came out and came to the three in a rough shirt. So Shane McMahon won. I gave this match, you might be surprised, two and a half stars. Oh, my. Just, be, just because it was short, it, it, which it needed to be in it. I thought it told an interesting story with them having to have three different referees running out to for this match to finish. Well, this is alternative world here. This is a one and three fifth star match. One and three fifths. <laughs> yeah. What is this world coming to? Second time in main event status radio history. <laughs> I don't think it'll be the last time in this show. I think even. Yeah, probably. I can. I don't. Yeah, I don't. We were talking a little bit about this before the show, and I, <laughs> after re- rating this first match, yeah. I can tell that I had a higher view of this era than you did. Yes, yes, looking back, right? Yeah, then uh, before the commercial break, we saw women's champion Ivory launching the monitor. Then after the commercial break, she came down to the ring. Then she mentioned that one of the best things about being the women's champion is that she was able to meet the most important people. Then she right. then she called Cindy What's-Her-Name, from Cindy, Cindy what's her name from the crowd to come in the ring with her yeah she had her stand up and then she had to get in the ring and I just wrote that King is gross because he was just like he couldn't even stop he kept being just making lewd comments at least we didn't get and they were uh, dumb I don't know they were just dumb 
At least we didn't get a Mean Gene line from 1993. Well, Mean Gene lines are better because at least they're funny. Like, at least there's he leaves something to the imagination. Cause, and that's what makes it funny is when he's like, oh, you're, maybe you're going to do the head scissors. Well, that's at least, like, clever. <laughs> King yeah, is true. Just, like, he's just overt. Just like, yeah, then you know, I, Ivory wanted her to pose, and she did, just because Ivory was threatening her. Then Jeff Jarrett came out and put her in a figure four leg. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then and then the real star of the show, freaking Jeff Jarrett, comes out, making one of his five appearances on this SmackDown, comes out and puts her in a figure four. Yeah, then uh, <laughs> yeah, then uh, after he got done, then Ivory high fived him. Then he, the Jeff Jarrett, put her in a figure four leg lock. I did write that I do like Double J's music, at least at this point in the show, yes. when I did not know that he's going to make five appearances. Same here, yes. Then we go a quick to the back segment with Lillian Garcia with the champion Triple H, and yeah, who was uh, yeah, and Lillian asked who he'll face in the main event, and Triple H said it won't be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. Yes. Then we go to the European title match with champion Mark Henry. <laughs> Sexual baby. <laughs> this was my favorite Mark Henry's uh, sexual chocolate outfit too, with the big with Hershey the kiss on the yes. front. Yeah, <laughs> with the silver Hershey kiss, and it's a sexual chocolate on the little uh, paper thing. Yeah, so we have sexual chocolate as a European champion against Steve Blackman. Yeah, and how was this match set up on Raw? I did not take Just catch. Oh, okay. Because Henry missed a take oh, yes, that, against yes. Val Venus and D'Lo Brown because Mark Henry is going to get a lap dance from <laughs> the Godfather's hose. Because one of the notes I wrote down for this was I'm surprised that the European title is able to fit around Mark Henry's waist. Yeah, well, Mark Henry's a lot smaller than he is now. True, because yeah. to me, the belt looked like a toy around his waist. <laughs> yeah, did you see his, ne- his neck and his head looked about four sizes smaller than they do now? Yes. So, uh, I didn't know that Tony Garia was a referee for this match. Mm-hmm. Yep, I did too. And the announcers did say that he is a WWF official. Yeah. Okay, then uh, I'm, I'll I'll let you talk about this match because I only thing I have left for the notes for this match was a finish. Well, I almost only have that because I just have that uh, Blackman is out and he starts with lots of kicks, <laughs> and then I wrote Tony Gree as the ref, and then it went to the finish. Yes, then yeah, Val Venus came out with a kendo stick, and the whack, and whacked Blackman in the head behind the referee's back, giving Mark I hit him in the, the nuts first. Well, I want to talk about the sexual chocolates, sexual nuts. No, not about sexual chocolate. Well, whatever. I don't care. Then he hit. Then he hit him in the head. Sexual chocolate and nuts to me don't go don't go together. <laughs> lewd, lewd and crew. <laughs> Is am I more lewd than Jerry Lawler on the side? No, episode? God, no. Okay, good. <laughs> then uh, yeah, then yeah. Mark Henry once retaining the European title, and I ready this match. One and one half star because it was short, which was needed. Two fifth stars. Two fifths. Yes. What is this world coming to, Beverly? <laughs> this lasted like twenty seconds. <laughs> Whatever. 
And yeah, like you were mentioning before, the ideal came down and attacked Henry after the match, which I was surprised Mark Henry jumped for the the Delos sitting power bomb thing. Yeah, sky high. Yes, which I, I like. I, I thought Delo looked awesome. It looked awesome. I don't know how that would really hurt anybody though, besides knocking the wind out of him. Back, you land on your back. Yeah, just knock the wind out of you. <laughs> Whatever, just knock the wind out of you. <laughs> well, what else, how else other power bomb would hurt you? Well, I guess it'd be hard to pick up Mark Henry to power bomb him anyway. So I guess that's, that's just, the most that's fitting power bomb. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, then I guess those two would be facing each other for the title at the pay per view. Right. Then we go to backstage with Jeff Jarrett. Oh yeah, more Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, Cindy. Cindy, what's her name? Was gonna be carted <laughs> into the ambulance, and Jeff Jarrett. Ran up and got into her face when yeah. she was getting her leg wrapped and wrapped and all that. And then Tess came out to or came back to confront Jeff Jarrett and they got into a brawl. Then we went, went yeah, to. Yeah, I wrote. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, then we. I was going to say we went to commercial. So. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I wrote test question mark because what does he have to do with Jeff Jarrett? Why is he the one that's doing this? I was wondering that too. Yeah. I guess he's just a nice guy, so maybe that's the deal. But it's weird. It doesn't make sense to me. And Terry Taylor, now we come back from a commercial break with Terry Taylor interviewing Jeff Jarrett, which I found to be kind of odd because, yeah, we come back right from a commercial and then, and, uh, like, a second out, within a second, Terry Taylor's interviewing Jeff Jarrett, like, yeah, what the hell? Know, we always talk about how WWF had better, like, production than WCW and stuff, and you don't see the seams and things like that, but, man, this is a big... Uh, a big flaw in that and definitely an exception to that rule because yeah, they're fighting and then snap, we go to commercial snap. Jeff Jarrett is fine. He's just standing there. So what happened? Yeah. Then, yeah. Then Jeff Jarrett called test a big dumb blonde and challenged (laughs) him to a match later on. Said that he's a dumb blonde, just like Cindy is. Yes. Then I wanted to ask you, could the Jeff Jarrett heel character work in the WWF that got him over in WCW? What, like the slap nut thing? Yeah. No, I hate Jeff Jarrett. The only Jeff Jarrett I like is when he, in TNA, when he was being an MMA specialist. Oh, the double J, double M, A match? Yes, double J, double M, A challenge. And when he went to show off his jujitsu skills against, like, the five-year-old class. Now, that was funny. (laughs) Not so much. No. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to just wanted to ask because it in a sense I enjoy Jeff Jarrett's heel work in a sense, but like we mentioned, like you mentioned earlier, that so you know, like he was the main, seemed like he was the main character with Triple H on this edition of SmackDown, and that bothered me a little bit. Yeah, because I feel like we they overexposed Jeff Jarrett. Well, yeah, especially when I think he's one that needs to be hidden, not put on all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess we might as well go to the next match. Right. Curtis Hughes with Chris Jericho versus Ken Shamrock. Yes. What is your thoughts on the pairing for a few weeks of Curtis Hughes and Chris Jericho? I mean, Mr. Hughes works. I like Mr. Hughes. Um... I don't know if putting him in matches like right away is a really good idea just because I think that's not his strong suit and never was. 
Um, he looked good in that snazzy, sparkly vest, though. Was it like the purple vest or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I am sad that he didn't have the sunglasses that he had from, like, 93, though. I know. I was very surprised when I saw the picture in the at the beginning when he was not wearing the sunglasses. Yeah. Also, I wrote down earlier that when he was in the... The like the versus screen. He's just wearing that black sweatshirt that he, yeah. that he had when he was Gotch Gracie. Yeah. So yeah, because I am sad that he didn't have the wraparound sunglasses <laughs> like he like he had, just where they won't fall off. Exactly. But yeah, I wanted to ask you about uh, the entrance for Mister Hughes and Jericho because yeah, Jericho's you know in, you know theme song hit. Jericho came out in his I guess his street attire. Or <laughs> yeah. we want they want to assume he was street attire, and he he would come out and yeah Jericho do his I guess the Jesus Christ pose or whatever you know his arms out back to the arena back to the crowd, I, and uh, Mister Hughes is at the bottom of the ramp doing his evil disgusted look like if this is a match for Curtis Hughes and why is Jericho the focal point for the entrance? Yeah, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. So yeah, so yeah, I found that to be kind of odd. But yeah, Jericho came down and grabbed the mic and told us that Shamrock was backstage and uh, was telling him backstage that Y2J is the world's most dangerous man. Right. Yep. And then he, and he licked his boots and and all that other stuff. So yeah, Y2J is putting Hughes in his place for the match and all that. And Jericho found a referee and introduced El Dumbo. No, El Dopo. Whatever. El Dope, Senor Manuel Ortiz Lopez, El Dopo. I like I El Dumbo man. better. I love this man. Because uh, I did write down who this guy looks kind of familiar to uh, Howard Finkel. I don't know, though. <laughs> you really, you called it that early? Yes. I had no clue. <laughs> I I am happy that you that you didn't know who who was like, El Dumbo this? was. I was like, who's this fat guy? I, I didn't even... <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Then Shamrock seemed sound hit, then Shamrock ran in and attacked Hughes right away, then Jericho joined the announcers, oh. at, yeah, joined the announcers, and I did like one of the first things Jericho said. What's that? He called Michael Cole one of the worst announcers ever. <laughs> 15 years later, Jericho, you're still correct. <laughs> sure. Yeah, then uh, Jericho left the announcers at one time, and Shamrock chased him around and got clotheslined by uh, by Mr. Hughes. Right. I like that. I wrote down that spot, too. I like that. Yeah, then, yeah, Shamrock but... is, like, super jacked in this one. I know. I mean, he's way more cut than I thought he usually was. What's, it, what's your thoughts on his green tights? They're cool. I like the green. Well, I guess it makes sense for, you know, Shamrock, that being yeah. an Irish name. So yeah, Right on. And then both guys started to attack him, and Jericho chucked him with the cable, and Hughes laid the boots on him, and, yeah, the referee, El Dumbo, didn't call, <laughs> call for the match. But yeah, a few, a few moments later, Shamrock went for the ankle lock. Hughes grabbed the ropes, and El Dumbo called for the bell right away, disqualifying Shamrock. Did you like El Dopo's mask? Yes. It was yeah, a generic cool. Mexican mask. Yeah. <laughs> it was your, like a Mascaris mask. What's your thoughts on El Dumbo's sweatpants? They were they were like um like sleeping pants. 
They're like striped. They're, it was like he was going to bed. Because I did like that he was wearing like a basic white t-shirt tucked into a sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I always liked, I don't know, weirdly, I'm such a weird guy, but one of the things I liked about the ref strike angle is that I liked what kind of pants the the fake refs were going to be wearing. Like, um, Tom Pritchard, for one of the pay-per-views that, that we got during this time, he wore, like, teal sweatpants. <laughs> well, I know we were talking about last week, the WCCW episode, that, you know, the, the <laughs> referees were pretty wore the same, pretty same yeah. get-up the whole time, and how you know, during this time the referees didn't, which, like you said, put over the ref strikeage. Yeah. Although, so, so, yeah, Curtis Hughes won. And I give this match a one and one fourth star because the vest Mr. Hughes was wrestling in, and this match being short, and because of Chris Jericho. The streak continues. One star. Okay, what? Alice, we're closer. Alan. Alice, we're closer. Oh yeah, Shamrock went after El Dumbo and took his mask off and revealed it to be Howard Finkel. Yeah, I wrote, it's Fink! <laughs> then, yeah, then uh, Finkel begged him to forgive him, and Shamrock just kicked him to the curb. At least he didn't, like, ankle lock him. It's okay. Yes. Then, uh, yeah, we went backstage again with Lillian Garcia, who was sitting down with Mankind. <laughs> right. And she asked him about the five-man Royal Rumble match he'd be in later on and all that. Then <laughs> a funny line was, Mick asked her how she feels, and he cut her off just like The Rock. <laughs> and he was so happy about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the time, uh, Mankind was my favorite wrestler. Definitely. In, in 98, 99, he was by far my number one. Then, yeah, then we go to... I don't know if I continue to believe it, but <laughs> he, at the time, I loved him. I, yeah, I was going to say, you know, going back, I did enjoy his comedy promos and interviews. They were pretty good. Yeah, then we go to the WWF Boot of the Week, where a Kane and Undertaker in the Big Show beat up the referees, and Hebner saying screw it and walked off, leaving his fellow referees. Yes. Then we go to uh, come back, and we see, I think, the same video fo- that we saw earlier about the referees being on strike. Yes, that was the Logs Rewind. <laughs> yes. Or Logs Boot of the Week. Logs Boot of the Week. Then we go to the five man Royal Rumble with The Rock, Kane, Mankind, Big Show, and The Undertaker. Right. Yeah. Then yeah. Rock was Rock drew number one, of yep. course, because he had to do this pre-match promo on the you know ring turnbuckle. So you know, running down his opponents for the match, saying that they're gonna go to the go to the casino and find the people slot machine and play it, and you know, and all that. They're gonna once they get their coin, they're gonna win the jackpot, the people's jackpot, get a bunch of coins. Rock's gonna shine them up real nice and do stuff with them so yeah i i don't know i thought i i just didn't like his promo at all and again you know, this is total hindsight and people can call me on that i'm fine with that but i just this is the basis for why we have the john cena promos we have today well because the rock yeah and all the things that people hate and all that kind of stuff. It's all because of this. And, you know, at the time, I'm sure I was doing the If You Smell the Rock is Cooking too. But, you know, now knowing where we are, oh, 
It's just too bad. Fair and enough. he buried everybody. He didn't give anybody like, I don't know, when you hear like old timers talk about wrestling interviews, you always got to give a good thing bef- before or after you bury him. All he did was talk about bad stuff, and he made them all sound stupid. Yeah, because I can't remember who I heard this from, but yeah. Oh, I think it may have been uh, Brian Alvarez from yeah, WrestlingObserver.com. Let's talk about it on the podcast hall. He heard from somebody or whatever that, well, I think it may have been him. If not, I don't know. He talked about it before that. You know, you're supposed to put over you know, who you're who you're facing because if you beat this person, you beat somebody. If yep. you lost to this person, you lost to somebody. Yeah, I think that's a fl- I think that's a flair thing. It's either flair or Carnet. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. If you make him sound like a worthless idiot, well, then if you win, all you did was beat a worthless idiot, and if they beat you, well, then you just got beat by a worthless idiot, and that's exactly what Rock does to his opponents. Which here. you know, be, you know, with what happened in this match, Rock locks to a worthless idiot. Yeah, exactly right. Right. And, and Big Show had number two and all that, and I guess yeah the. Match was like every sixty seconds, the next person would come out, and it'd just be like a regular Royal Rumble, but with five people. Right. What are your thoughts on Big Show and Trunks? I am happy he was a lot skinnier back then. Yeah, he seemed healthier. <laughs> so you know, if he was like like this Big Show or like the WCW Big Show, I don't mind seeing him in Trunks. Yeah, but fair the enough. current Big Show, no, thank you. It's like seeing sure. one of us in Trunks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I know. So, yeah, then we, uh, before the match, we go backstage. It was Triple H, China, and security, and Triple H told China that they'll jump whoever before they jump him. Stone Cold. They were going to jump Stone Cold before yes. I jumped him. Yep. Let's see. Yeah, then we talked about Big Show, how you look extremely healthy in 1999. <laughs> yep. The number three was Mankind. Love Mankind's music. Oh, love it. The car crash. Then, yeah, then do do. Dude, yeah, because yeah, I his white boxing boots a lot better than his dumb sneakers that he starts wearing. Yes, because I know during this time, I think that I think WWF the music volume for Mankind's theme was on it, and I remember each time I put that my CD player and play his theme song, and yeah, clap along to his theme song. I think I had that volume too, actually. Yeah, then you see a man kind of runs down and helps The Rock beat up the big show, and both men double team him, and man can't give The Rock a thumbs up, and The Rock gave him a thumbs up right back. <laughs> the number four, number four uh, countdown, it was Kane. And. Ugh. His pyro went off, and Rock started beating up on the big show to. Uh, Faced Kane once he came into the ring. So yeah, so yeah, Kane and Big Show, you know, you know, beat up the Rock and Sock connection until the last entrant came out, the Undertaker. <laughs> you got it. What's your thoughts on one, the Undertaker's Ministry of Darkness theme song, and two, the Undertaker's attire for this match? Okay, number one, love the Ministry of Darkness theme song again. I'm now that I'm thinking about it, definitely had volume for the music because I listened to the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. 
Um, his attire is interesting. I wrote down, you know, is this the transition to the American Badass Undertaker? Because he's wearing um, a Harley Davidson do-rag, um, sunglasses, a motorcycle shirt, and just jeans. Uh, so, I, yeah, I was wondering that, too. I, I didn't. I guess maybe, I don't know, I wasn't paying too much attention to Undertaker this time. Because I know, I don't know if he was at, I don't I don't remember him at, at uh, Survivor Series 1999. I don't remember him, I don't know if he was at Armageddon 1999. I know he wasn't at Rumble 2000, he was at WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, I think this is when he took his break and then came back in May. Okay. As, as American Badass Undertaker. Okay, do you know why he... Went from the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker to the American Badass Undertaker? You know, I've just heard that it was, uh, he was ready for a change. He was ready to start talking. He was ready um, to not have to do all the supernatural stuff. And to be honest, I think the fans were too. Fair enough. I think this is an era more where reality was important. Yeah. I mean, relative, you know, relative to everything. But I think at that time, more, it was. More reality than comedy. Right, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, definitely that. Yeah, the yeah, Undertaker came out in the you know, street attire, or so to say, then chilled outside and came, uh, yeah, joined the Kenny and Michael Cole the announcer's booth. Then, yeah, then, yeah, we might as well go through the who got eliminated when. So, sure. Yeah, King got eliminated when Mankind eliminated him with the help of The Rock. And Mankind got eliminated by being tossed up by The Rock after he by the King. Rock. Yes. All right. Whatever. Then, uh, no, no, you're right. Yeah, then The Rock turned around, Big Show choke slammed him. Then when Big Show tried to throw him over, The Rock skinned the cat and came back in, which pissed The Undertaker off. <laughs> the Undertaker said that, you know, he had to go show Big Show how to get things done and eliminated both the guys by himself. Right. So I know, so I know when, uh, before, well, I guess before the elimination started happening, Undertaker first joined the... Booth Undertaker was putting over Kane's new change of attitude because I know after work, like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, once in a while I had the network gun on my phone playing, and I know one of the SmackDowns I think a week or two before this, how Kane or yeah, Kane and X Pac were were tag team champions before this, and X Pac approach ended their tag team and saying that you know because I think on that episode of SmackDown. Kane was going to challenge Triple H for the WWF title, and because of DX and other things, X-Pac was going to end their partnership and all that, end the friendship and all that. So I want, so I kind of I think a quick transition on Kane being the good guy to Kane being this heel with Undertaker and Big Show. Right. But, do you remember? Do you remember at the time all the rumors that Kane was going to start wearing a green outfit instead of red, and he was going to join DX? No, but I'm happy he didn't wear a green outfit because I don't think that would he wouldn't look good. The green, green machine. Yeah, he won't look good. <laughs> he won't look good as a big, jolly green giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is what he'd look like. So yeah, the Undertaker won, and I rated this match two and a fourth stars. Two stars. Fair enough. Now you know we weren't we didn't deviate this from too too much. Okay, close, but you still every match have rated so far. Yes, yeah, because yeah, I feel like this match told a good story between the heels and the faces, and the Undertaker at the announcer's booth to me helped it out. And it was a different, you know, it gave a this 
a card, a different flavor with this five man, five minute Royal Rumble thing. Yeah. And I feel like this also put over the cult leader of the Undertaker. Oh sure. You know, because yeah, cause I remember you know, watching a few you know Smackdowns from from right around this time, and yeah, you know, like when Big Show and Taker, the, the take champs were. Rustling a lot of times, Undertaker would just go to the announcers' table and join the colored commentators, leaving Big Show to by himself to defend the tag titles. And once Big Show Prince gets, you know, starts to lose, Undertaker would get pissed off, leave the announcers' table, and go finish end the match, do his thing, hit a couple finishers, and then leave. Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, then we they would go backstage with the Hollies walking around with a weight scale. Yeah. The super heavyweights of the Hollies. Yeah. Then, yeah, then we come back with Hardcore and Crash Holly walking down the ring and all that, grabbing a mic. And Hardcore said that he had enough of China. Or, yeah, he had enough of China. China had enough time to find a take team partner. Yes. And now we have a distinct switch to now China as a face. Yes. And she <laughs> still had Triple H's theme song. Yeah. With her own entrance video that she would later use... Later on, when she becomes Intercontinental Champion. Cool. Yeah, then she said that, uh... Well, yeah, because yeah, I wanted to talk about this, about... I find this to be completely silly that whenever China's with Triple H, she's a heel. And when she's on her own, she's a face, because you know, at this time she was going to face Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title. Right. Yeah, I don't know. This is... I think this has attitude error written all over it, just like that... Everybody can act heelish. Everybody can act like a good guy. Yeah, because I didn't like this book in China. Yeah. Me neither. Okay, then uh, she said that she didn't need to take a partner, so the you know the bell rang, and it was a handicap match with China versus the Hollies, and when I said who the referee was, I was excited because I thought it was Earl Hebner. So here's my theory. I think it is Earl Hebner. Fair enough, because... Yeah, because they did say it was Dave Hebner, you know, his twin, and yeah, being a WWE official and all that. But yeah, like I said, I swore it was Earl Hebner. I I think it was. I I just really think it was. So yeah, then uh, then yeah, we might as well get back to the match because I felt like this is a bum of a match. That China yeah was able to hold her. A match. A bum a bum of a match. Oh okay okay. Yeah, there's like mama match or something. No, mama match. Okay, got it. I agree. China, China was able to hold her on for a while, and Crash came in to check on Hardcore, and China gave them a double low blow, and yeah. then yeah, then the Holly, Holly started gaining their gaining the advantage, and Billy Gunn ran out to be China's tag team partner. Then yeah, Hardcore yeah. gave China a beautiful suplex. <clears throat> yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yes. Then. Uh, Billy, Billy uh, blind take himself in and pretty much took the match. Yeah, he cleaned house, finished with the fame master for the win. I, I gave this match a one in three four star. Oh, one and a half. Okay, because I gave this match that that rating because you know yeah during this time, uh, Jeff Jarrett, the Intercontinental Champion, gave an open challenge to anybody. And all that, and had the contract. I think on, on the his locker room door, and Billy Gunn was going to sign it, but China beat to him, beat beat him to it on signing the contract. Oh, and so okay. Billy Gunn was kind of pissed off about this, and we 
we would see this, I think, yeah, we would see this right away after this match. Where yeah, Jeff Jarrett came out with a front uh, frying hey, pan. Hey, Jeff Jarrett's back for the fourth time. Yeah, he laid out China, and Billy Gunn <laughs> just left. Yeah, I I guess okay. Thanks for filling me in on that because I didn't know why Billy Gunn left. I I didn't understand it. So that makes it that makes sense that they had some beef there. Yeah. So yeah, China got laid out with a frying pan. Deborah Miss Kitty came out with Jeff Jarrett, and they put an apron. On China and all that. Then Jeff Jarrett said, "said that you know I can tell that you're bored with bored with Jeff Jarrett because he just yawned." <laughs> yeah, Jeff Jarrett, you know, said that China should get in the back to the kitchen since to make him supper since she had a frying pan in one hand, a spoon in the other, and her apron on. That's sexism to the hardcore max. Yeah, thumbs down. Minus I five stars. Jeff Jarrett. And we go backstage with Lillian with the big boss man. <laughs> yeah. And she asked him if pepper on a pole match was too much, and boss man said it wasn't. I like this boss man. <laughs> yeah, was, uh, me too. He was corny, but he took it like, he was like a cartoon villain, and I liked it. Yes. So, yeah, do you remember the storyline between Alice Snow and the boss man? Heck yeah. You want to tell the listeners about the about their feud? Sure, so Al Snow went from having the mannequin head, head, <laughs> and then there was a little outrage because when his action figure was in the store, it came with head, and some of the kind of right-wing, kind of more moral groups said that it looked like he was carrying a severed woman's head, which would obviously be... <laughs> crazy <laughs> so they they took that off screen and he started bringing a dog to the ring a little chihuahua named pepper and he had that for a while a few months i would say and um then boss man big boss man started feuding with him he eventually kidnapped pepper and then he invited um Al Snow to his room to have some dinner, and he revealed to him that he was eating some pepper steak. And it was his dog. <laughs> he so, killed the dog, and he made Al Snow eat it. Yeah, so I think it was uh, a SmackDown episode three I was watching, uh, probably th- two, three, four weeks ago now. About you know, because it was I th- think now I think of it, I think it was a SmackDown week prior to this where the British Bulldog made his, <laughs> made, you know, came back to the company. Right, and we're at, you know last week, the week before on episode three of SmackDown that uh, Boston was a hardcore champion and challenged anybody backstage to face with the hardcore title. Is if anybody was wanted to show Boston who the top dog was, oh, okay. which was the Bulldog. Then Bulldog won the you know beat him in like a minute or two for the match and all that. Then. And Marty Jannetty, not Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty! Al Snow came down oh, as Leaf okay. Cassidy. I was, I was really excited. No, yeah, Al Snow came down as Leaf Cassidy when him, <laughs> he was the new Rockers with Marty Jannetty. Right. To the Rockers theme song and all that. Then Bossman, not Bossman, Bulldog gave Al Snow the hardcore title, pretty much forfeiting the title to Al Snow, making Al Snow the new hardcore champion. Right. And all that. So that was a week before. So that's how Al Snow was a current hardcore champion on this episode of SmackDown. So yeah, we go to the Pepper and the Pole match with the Boss Man versus 
the hardcore chap in Elsinore. Then I, I, did you notice who ran out right when Bossman was making his entrance? Oh uh, yeah, the ref, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, which I no- noted that and made me laugh. <laughs> and, that, and that the pay per view that Big Show, not Big Show, Bossman and Al Snow would face each other in a kennel from hell match. So I was wondering why in the hell are they facing each other on SmackDown then? Uh, I don't know, because they can't get enough of just putting people together, you know, and having matches. Did you catch the description of the kennel from hell match? <laughs> yeah. It's a regular cage inside a helm cell with Rottweilers, rabid Rottweilers inside. Yes. Which I'm happy they only had one kennel from Hell match. Yeah. Oh my god, it sucked so bad. Yeah, so we may as well go into uh, this match. The snow ran down, you know, and all that started the match right away, and both men brawled and la di da da Then, uh, like. Do you just want to finish this match? Because I think this was really nothing of a match. Yeah, I just, I liked the the front slam from Boss Man. I wrote that the crowd was dead. Um, I Then a barking dog ran in on the match. With the bulldog. With, with some handlers. And then Bulldog came out with them. And the dogs uh, treed Boss Man up on the pole. Um... And he grabbed the pepper doggy bag, and he threw it outside, and Al Snow got a new one. Because that's why I was wondering why, if Vince Russo was booking WWF at this time, because technically, in my eyes, Big Bossman won this match. Yeah, yeah, he grabbed it, but it's always, the idea is that you got to bring it down. Fair enough, fair enough. Yep. So, yeah, so like you said, Al Snow won by technicality or whatever. I can't pronounce technicality. I guess I just pronounced it. <laughs> yeah, Alice no one and all that because of silly silly rules and all that. I gave this match one one hundredth of a star. Oh my. Okay, I gave it actually a star and three eighths. Wow. <laughs> we go back to the regular uh, yeah. star ratings for one episode or for one match. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I said, I felt like the rules were confusing, and I found this match to be kind of boring, like the fans. Yeah. Then we go backstage with Triple H in China, and Stone Cold is hiding behind them in a trailer. Yeah, he's lurking in the shadows. I wrote that. And as, as you know, for my shoot job, I do, you know, I work for a packaging company, you know, like a company like FedEx and all that. And I do stack trailers once in a while, and, you know, I guess I talked about that a couple episodes ago, about me, you know, falling in a trailer and all that, and I can see, <laughs> when I can see how if a trailer is not lit, like, outside, and when the doors are shut, I can see how Stone Cold can easily hide in a trailer. <laughs> do you do that to Marvelous Mike or Sexy Pat? Do you stand in the trailer and hide I, while you're cutting I, I do once in a while with Marvelous Mike because once in a while he's a sorter for the whenever, when I start trailers once in a while and I usually hide when I'm in a bad mood because I don't want to rub my bad mood on a Marvelous Mike. <laughs> wow. 
love it. So yeah, then we go to the WWF Intercontinental Championship match with the champ, Slap Nuts himself, Jeff Jarrett, with Miss Kitty and Deborah against Test. Okay, so after when they come back, I wrote, oh God, more Double J, really? What do you say Double J is double minus five stars? Oh my God, he's just negative 10,000 stars for me. What is your thoughts on Miss Kitty's super hot blue attire? <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> so, yeah, as I say, uh, she was giving Sunshine a run for her money that we covered from last week on WCCW. That's all. <laughs> Beverly, I'm happy you're not saying anything about that because I don't want you to get in trouble with Mrs. Hills. <laughs> I'll get myself in trouble with that, so that's yep, fine. I'm, that. I'm still single, so whatever. <laughs> there you go. And then Test ran down, and the match started, and Jeff Jarrett met him in the ring and had an early advantage, which didn't last long. And I wrote, who's the ref here, Keith Hart? I did write down, I was questioning that too, I, I guess it was Mark Eaton? I looked it up, Mark Yeaton or Mark Yaton. he's the, the timekeeper. Yeah, the timekeeper, He's yeah. the bell ringer. Yeah. Forever, and he just got fired in the time in the cuts, like in the last couple yes, of months. Yes. He well, got fired, which is, which is sad. Yeah, because he's been working there for like thirty years. Yeah, so which is which is sad. Hope he got an extra paycheck for being the ref on the SmackDown. Well, he could use it nowadays. Fifteen years later, I can. I can. Yeah, the, the mean streak posse ran down to distract test, giving Jeff Jarrett the advantage. Yep. Then, uh, see, only thing next I have is the ending, the ending of the match. Yeah, yep, me too. Okay. I'll take it. Yeah, okay. Steph, yeah, I put Steph comes down to help out Test. Then Shane beats up Rodney, and the Stooges come out, and everybody's brawling. Uh, that leads to a DQ. Yeah, which, yeah, DQ, no, this match was thrown out, no contest. Right. I gave this match... Uh, Dave Meltzer's famous dud. Oh, see, interesting. Now, par- uh, technically, I'm above you. I gave this one ten thousandth of a star. One ten thousandth of a star. Yep. Okay. I well, yeah, which I don't blame you, but you <laughs> you you barely w- went above me, <laughs> barely. But then I did write that Double J did do an awesome jumping arm breaker to test. I liked that a lot. And did you see what Jeff Jert tried to do to Stephanie McMahon? Yeah, he tried to put her in the figure four. And Shane Spearman and all that. Yeah. And then we go backstage with Triple H in China walking down the hallway. Then we go to a commercial break. Then we come back for the main event match. Yep. And before we go into this main event yes. match, I, I have... To open up a can of <laughs> Mellow Yellow. You got it. <laughs> ah, tasty. So up up to uh, Triple H coming out. We still don't know who the his challenger is. And before we right. spoil before we spoil it, I like to talk about how Triple H built up who his challenger was going to be. Right. Because yeah, Triple H came down, and we still don't know who, don't know who he's facing for the title. Triple H grabbed the mic and announced who the referee is, who he chose. It was Shane McMahon. Yes. What's your thoughts on Shane being kind of cautious about being kind of hesitant on being the referee? 
Yeah, you know, I kind of thought Shane did a good job of building up, like, you know, why he would be chosen. You know, and he, yeah, and like you said, I think the perfect term for it is cautious. Like, he doesn't really know why he got chosen for that job, but he was, you know, going to do it or whatever, so. Yeah, then, yeah, Shane came out to the No Chance in Hell theme song, which is probably one of my favorite wrestler theme songs. Yeah. Then the champion told us that, that he chose his challenger for the night. It was somebody who made a vented uh, pay-per-view or a show with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. And, and he approached, ran through the five challengers that he had, or he was going to have at the Unforgiven pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that Jerry, I wrote that Lawler was especially annoying during this. Yes. Because he kept like, oh, I, oh, I knew it. And then when... Uh, Triple H goes, and it's not him. He goes, oh, I knew it. Oh, God. He just, and it was the same thing every time. Yeah, you know, it's so annoying. Yeah, it wasn't The Rock. It wasn't Mankind. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't The Rock. It wasn't Mankind. It wasn't, wasn't Undertaker. It wasn't Kane. It wasn't The Big Show. And, at, at, you know, limiting those five guys, besides who, the, who his opponent would be, who else besides Shane McMahon could face Triple H in this match up uh, to 1999 uh, Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Shawn Michaels Vader no not Vader yeah those yeah. who didn't make well, event. oh actually they did the Fatal 4-Way before WrestleMania 13 okay could it okay then it could have been him um god put me on the spot but I think it's I think those are your only options okay then they keep then do you want to reveal who Triple H challenged uh, sure. It was dun dun dun, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, it was the Vid Mac, Jack. You got it. Then uh, Vince, you know, because yeah, backstage when when uh Triple H announced it was gonna be Shane as the referee, you know, they go backstage with Shane, Vince, and Linda, and all that, and Vince was asking Shane, you know, do you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? And Shane's like, yeah, sure, why not? Right. Storyline-wise, not knowing who Triple H is going to challenge and all that. Then, yeah, Vince, who was sitting backstage not getting up and all that, and then Triple H was running his mouth, you know, trying to trying to demeanor Vince and all that, saying that, you know, but then at the end saying that, you know, Linda, if Vince can't please you tonight, you can always come talk to me. Yeah, I I don't know. I thought that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah, then Vince came down with no theme song with a mic in his hand, and Shane opened up the ropes for him. And Vince came in, and Vince wanted to seem like Vince wanted to talk things out, but Triple H said there's no more talking. And Vince said that he won't get into the get into the WWE business, you know, or without getting the storylines or whatever. And the Triple H asked him if he had the balls to face him. Yeah, yep, the grapefruits. Then I wanted to ask you about, I think it was Michael Cole that said that, that Vince got had some kind of pelvis uh, injury over the summer from a motorcycle <laughs> accident. I know, I don't remember that. Yeah, I, just, I don't remember hearing about that either, because I know Vince and Shane had a handicapped ladder match against Stone Cold at King of the Ring in 99. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. That, so that was only a few months yeah. before before right. this. Yeah, I don't know, and I don't know the the story of the motorcycle accident. Okay, do you know the story of Vince Trin face before this? 
No. Uh-uh. Yeah, same here because I'm like, okay, like I know King of the Rain was in, what, July? So I was kind of trying to figure out what was happening between July and uh, September on where events became a face, and I couldn't remember. So, no, yeah. either. Nope. So, yeah, then, uh, yeah, because I know Triple H said, come on, Vince, face me. Then Vince, you know, grabbed the mic and said, no. No. It made me laugh that, you know, that Vince did his groggly McMahon voice saying no. <laughs> no. Then, yeah, then, uh, well, <laughs> then we also get into the match, the yeah, events. Yeah, then Triple H turned on and Vince jumped him and all that. Had a, yep. light, you know, had a couple right hands and Triple H punch had the advantage most of the match. Yep, starts stomping on him. I don't think, uh, at the beginning of the match, it seemed like Shane liked it. I don't know. I didn't understand it because I was like, is it Shane's been acting like a good guy the whole show now? Why is this? But then later it seems like he doesn't like it. So I don't know what was going on at the beginning of the match. Well, it seemed like that Shane was trying to, you know, I guess let the match happen, but pretty much tell Triple H, you know, kind of let it, try to clean it up a little bit. And then we'll see later in the match that, you know, Shane had enough of Triple H's dirty antics. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah, the Triple H chucked Vince on the mat in the corner and all that. Then Shane cut it to four, then made Triple H back off. Then China hit Vince a few times while, while Shane was in, the face, was in the face of Triple H. Mm-hmm. Then, so like that, uh, Shane let Vince get away with hitting Triple H with a low blow. Yeah, which caused both both guys to fall on the mat, worn out. Yes, which I can understand from Vince because he was getting a butt whooping. But Triple H, you know, well, I guess you know has he has to throw a low blow because that does hurt. Right. But, yeah, that's always the the, the great equalizer, right? Yes. Then yeah, Vince were all outside the ring and Triple H followed him. Choking him with the cord, and Shane counted to an eight, into an eight count. Okay. And I thought, you know, they had to stop at a, at, by a five. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're what right. Up, whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I can get there away There are no with, refs. It's yeah, just a, it's it, just a defender. Yeah, you know, like, obviously, you know, Shane wasn't a trained referee, so whatever. I guess I can accept, you know, uh, Shane giving him a, a count, a count of ten. Yeah. So that's, you know, because they're outside the ring, whatever. So then uh, Shane did ask Triple H what he's trying to prove. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Triple H put Vince on the announcer's desk, then went up on the, the the barrier outside and gave Vince an elbow drop, and the, and the announcer's table did not break. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, <laughs> so I wrote after he put him through the table, I wrote that Vince starts to snort. <laughs> yes. They got closer, and he's like... <laughs> I, I'm happy he wasn't snorting booger sugar. <laughs> and then, so did you notice anything about Vince after Triple H pulled him up from the... He, like, one, one of his sides is, like, completely wet. <laughs> Soaking uh, wet! I was wondering yes, what... Yes, glad you noticed, too. I was wondering, like, if somehow, like, one of the announcers had, like, a bottle of water, and it got knocked over, and... Vince fell and landed in the puddle, puddle of water or something like that. I would assume so, but it was so funny to see him get up and he's just covered in water, like half side, the half side of his body. Yes, then, yeah, <laughs> then after the elbow dropped, that Michael Cole lost connection, but Lawler was still able to call the match for a little bit, which I felt like, felt like was a major improvement. Oh, I thought it was a deep, a downgrade. Now, talking about Michael Cole losing connection... Just think, just think how much better this match would be if J- Jim Ross called this match. 
hundred percent, totally. Yes. Then yeah, Hunter sent McMahon back in the ring with a crowd completely silent. <laughs> well, because yeah. up to this point, this is pretty much a a squash match of all squash matches. I felt like with Triple H taking control of the match, you know, pretty much the whole match. Yeah, then China gave Triple H a steel chair, and Triple H was about to use it, and Shane stopped him. And Triple H pie faced him, and Vince nailed, they nailed Vince in the face with the, with the chair. And yep. Shane went, then Shane went after Hunter, and Hunter attacked him, which caused China to run in at, and go after Shane. Yeah, yep. Shane speared Hunter, but yeah, China stopped him and chair shot at him. Yeah, then yeah, which caused Vince to bleed with the hard way. Supposedly, yep. you know, busted, busted <laughs> wide open. Yeah. Then yeah, the crowd started to chant for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Yeah, then yeah, Triple H laid Shane out with a chair. Yeah, Vince's busted wide open, and Triple H continued to punch Vince in the forehead. And Linda, right. Linda and the Stooges ran out. Yep. Which, you know, the Stooges tried to attack Triple H in China with no luck. Then China grabbed Linda from behind and made Linda watch Triple H beat the crap out of her husband. Right. And this is what I noticed. Not only that China was a heel again, but also I was like, wasn't she like laid out with a spoon in her hand like 10 minutes ago? Yeah. <laughs> they totally forget about that. She's completely fine. Yeah. Like, like we were saying earlier, you know, I hate, hate Vince Russo booking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'll see is not that well hidden on this podcast. I don't like Vince Russo. <laughs> the epic rant. So yeah, then Triple H, Triple H was about to hit the pedigree when the glass breaks once again. Uh huh. And they don't know where he is. Then Stone Cold ran out of the crowd, attacking Triple H. Yep, he and stunned China. First he stunned China, then he stunned Triple H. Did you notice that Linda magically disappeared once Stone Cold's theme song hit and the camera <laughs> went to the entrance? I did not, actually. Yeah, she magically disappeared. Like, where did she go? <laughs> yeah, then, like you said, Austin stunned China and stunned Triple H, and Stone Cold grabbed Vince, put him over Triple H, and brought Shane over, and Shane was halfway awake, you know, was waking up, and Shane counted the victory. Yep. And the glass broke. Stone Cold's <laughs> theme song played when the, when the winner was announced as the new World <laughs> Federation <laughs> Champion, Vince McMahon. <laughs> so, I was going to say, I know, I, you know, I picked this episode, and I picked this because of this match. <laughs> okay. I did not remember this match being this squash heavy, though. No, I don't remember this match at all. <laughs> what was your thoughts on this match before we rate it? Um, it was, you know, it was fine. It was... Uh, it was what it was. It's, you know, it wasn't designed to be back and forth. It wasn't even 10 minutes long, you know, it, but it worked for what it was. Just, you know, Triple Triple H being a, a dink, you know, and beating up on the old man and then getting his at the end. Yeah, because I know I did enjoy this. And this was, yeah, with this being the fourth episode of SmackDown, I felt like this kind of gave SmackDown the boost they needed as trying to give Raw the run for its money on TV. Right. As the B show. But yeah, I gave this... I'm sure I rated this match higher than what you did, Beverly. Let's I rated, see. I rated this match three three and one-four stars. 
You got it. Two and a quarter. I rated this match three and a fourth because I feel like there's a great storyline. You know, like we were saying, you know, it was squash heavy, but it was what it needed to be. And I didn't want to rate this much higher than what I did because, like I said, it was pretty much a squash heavy match. Right. But, you know, like you said, that it put, you know, it was what it needed to be. And, you know, with, you know, I remember seeing pictures of Raw the following week. With Vince, you know, open up his suit jacket, revealing the WWF title and all that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And, you know, them vacating the title for the pay-per-view for, you know, the title be up for, you know, there'd be no champion walking in and all that. I felt like this match was what it, what, what it needed to be, and Vince gave up the title, which I felt like was needed. Right. Yeah, I can take that. So, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but after re- reviewing it, what is your overall thoughts on this episode of SmackDown? Um, to be honest, I hated it. <laughs> I, there, the good points were few and far between. Uh, there's too much Jeff Jarrett. Um, I just really did not like it. Do, How you, you? do you feel like this was a good snapshot of 1999? You know, I think it's like the height of kind of the the excesses of the attitude era, like kind of the bad parts, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sex, a lot of chair shots, not much wrestling. Yeah. True, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I did look up the results, you know, for this match and this, uh, yeah, like I had done before, with, you know, raw episodes and yeah, each episode, yeah, you know, each, for all the results for this episode, how it gave, you know, the time, times two, and most of the matches were like two to three minutes long, if that. Yeah, sure seemed that way. And yeah, there was a lot of run-ins and you know, disqualifications and a lot of talking, a lot of, a lot of crap mixed in together. Yeah, I agree. And yes, I agree with you. I love Kamala too. <laughs> Wish you would have been on this one. So we might as well go to the jobber for the match or for the week for the podcast. And I picked El Dumbo for my jobber. (laughs) Just because he was manhandled by Ken Shamrock after the match. My, I don't think it's a secret who my jobber is. Double J Jeff Jarrett. Boom. Slap, slap nuts. Five times. He was on the show five times. <laughs> Poor Jeff oh, Jarrett. So bad. He was just so bad. What if Jeff Jarrett wants to sponsor this podcast? We, I would join the Global Force Wrestling Network in a, in a minute. So, yeah, Jeff Jarrett, if you're listening to this, you heard it first. <laughs> so we might as well go in the main event status star for the for the night. For, this, right, po- the man? for this podcast, he said, who is the man for my main event status star? Who is the man? Who is the McMahon? Oh, okay. The, the guy who won the WWF championship, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Awesome. Just because, My, just because of ahead. his awesome delivery of no, no! him not wanting to do the match, then you know him 
take a pretty good butt whooping and, you know, being busted wide open or blading whatever, you know, with his good bleed job. And yeah, like I said, walking on as champion, I had to give the vid man my main event status star for this for this podcast. All right. Mine is shared between a set of siblings. Bree and she- Nikki Bella? No, Shane and Stephanie McMahon. Uh-huh. I thought, again, they were also all over the show. Well, we yeah, we really didn't talk about Stephanie much in this podcast. On this I know, podcast. but she was she was all over it. Her and Test and during the Shane match and all that. And I thought she played her character really well. Um, hit all the beats because you know she you know she's set up for a big angle here in a, in a couple months after so she's got to be doing everything right and um then shane i thought did all his things well as well looked good in the ring for what he is and uh served his role as the ref well so yeah i am happy <laughs> i'm happy that the mcmahon's are our main event status players yeah, for this podcast. Right. And the only three valuable ones, in fact. Fair enough. I was going to give Linda the valuable runner-up, but, yeah, whatever. Sorry, Linda. If you want to sponsor this podcast, too, we're we're here for you, Linda. Yeah, Linda for Senate. Yay! (laughs) Or how about this? Jesse Ventura's running mate. Oh, God, they would never be able to get along. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) So, yeah, we might as well go to the top five list for for the episode. And yeah, like I said, I picked the pick smack this smackdown for this episode and Austin know, my guess duty, my idea for the top five list was the McMahon the top five Vince McMahon feuds. Just, awesome. be, just because for the thumbnail of this was Vince's face, I looked like Triple H's boot boot on his neck with <laughs> Vince bleeding and all that. So that's why I decided to pick top five Vince McMahon feuds. Yeah, hey, I wanna go first. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. My number five is one that they've revisited a few times. They've teamed. They've been against each other. I'm going to go number five, Shane McMahon. Good choice. I thought, you know, they always have a good dynamic of really both when they're teaming and when they're against each other. Um, I like, you know, sometimes it can get too much, but generally when Vince is the heel and Shane is the face, some good things can happen. So that's why he is my number five. I want to echo what you said for number five. Number five, because my number five was that pairing of Shane and Stephanie McMahon. Oh, okay. Cool. You know, kind of like with what you said too, you know, with the whole, with, with Vincent, not Vince, Shane and Stephanie buying out WCW and ECW sure. and, you know, the, you know, in 2001 and, you know, it, I guess the invasion from that line really being another another wrinkle in the in the kids versus father storyline between the in the McMahons. But I feel like yeah, I just want to echo what you said about Shane for Shane and Stephanie for my number five. Yes. Okay. My number four. We're going back, way back before he's even a character on TV. Well, he's just an announcer. The number four feud, Vince McMahon versus the United States government. <laughs> the feud that almost put him under the steroid trial. And probably Vince's biggest victory 
in the feud because he's still around and is still promoting wrestling. Tell us about the steroid steroid scandal, just well, in case this, if the listeners don't know anything about it. Yeah, you know, I'm sure most do, but um, just this this doctor, Doctor Zahorian from Pennsylvania, he uh, was being investigated for steroid distribution. Um, and it looked like a lot of his, uh, a lot of that distribution led straight to the wrestlers of the WWF. Uh, Shane was, or not Shane, Vince was eventually brought to court, um, put under trial, uh, eventually quit, acquitted of those, uh, steroid distribution charges there. So I do like your number four. I did not even think about, <laughs> think about that. I, first I thought you were going to say it would be, uh. Vince McMahon versus Jesse Ventura. Oh, okay. Because obviously Jesse brought the brought him to court, and with those two going at it, you know, at the announcers' booth back like during Saturday Night's main event and all that, I thought you were gonna go with Jesse. <laughs> no, no. But my number four has to be the heartbreak kid himself, Shawn Michaels. Oh, okay. Just because I felt like you know those those two had a match at WrestleMania 22, which I thought was a pretty good match obviously Shawn Michaels carried it you know with you know they, like they brought back Saturday Night's Mid event for a while right on this period and at that you know the Saturday Night's Mid event building up to WrestleMania 22 Shane fought Shawn in a street fight and the finish was when Shane put Shawn in a sharpshooter and Vince Khan for the bell bringing back the whole Montreal screw job kind of thing <laughs> so I think this was a time when Brett was back being inducted into the Hall of Fame that year I think I believe so. So I think that's partially why they, you know, they brought that back and all that. And I just feel like, you know, well, I guess, you know, Sean, you know, number four ties with my number three, which we'll discuss here in a little bit. But yeah, I feel like Sean brought out a, a great match out of Vince at WrestleMania 22. Awesome. Okay, my number three is Donald Trump. Ooh. I, I loved, well, I don't know if I'd go far and say love. I thought the feud leading up to the Battle of the Billionaires, what WrestleMania was that? 23. Okay. The one that that led up to that, I think, was really well done. I thought just, you know, to put... (laughs) To to put um, Vince in that place, bring in Donald Trump, who was really hot at the time with The Apprentice, um, gave a lot of good mainstream press to... The WWE, um, Trump played his role perfectly. Even freaking Lashley and was good in that one. Umaga was good. Umaga, right? And uh, yeah, and you know, it ended with Vince getting his head shaved. So who doesn't like that? So it was good. So yeah, my number three was Triple H. Okay. Just because you know, with this match, then all those who would go on and have, I think, a street fight at Armageddon 1999, and the whole. Stephanie turning on events, you know, revealing that, you know, she was teaming up with Triple H, you know, you know, those two, you know, being the, you know, the the authority, so to say, in late 99, early 2000 with, you know, being power hungry and getting Triple H the title back and all that. I feel like, and you know, kind of tying in with DX, you know, years later and 06, kind of the feud was kind of crappy. So to say, <laughs> yeah. but I felt like you know, I thought DX brought a good match, good matches out of Shane and Vince. Yeah, yep, it's memorable. Yeah. So yeah, Triple H was my number three. Okay, 
My number two, one of Vince's longest running feuds, stretched 12 years. Uh-oh. Vince versus Ted Turner. Okay. Is my number two feud. Again, there's another one that uh, is on the real life end almost put Vince out, you know, because Ted Turner was able to throw around the money. Um, you know, it's all about the money. All about the and, money. <laughs> and uh, in the end, Vince again also won that feud too. Um, but <clears throat> it's one that got him close to losing. Who was the better opponent for Vince? The U.S. Supreme Court or Ted Turner? Uh, I don't know. It, the the feud of Ted Turner lasted a lot longer, but if he would have lost to the to the U.S. government and federal court, he um, could have had jail time. So well, I, I wanted to ask this then, but I forgot to. What would it have been like if Vince would have lost his U.S. Supreme Court case and well never got to the supreme court but federal court the federal yeah. court yeah whatever yep. and no, what, would it, sure. what would have the company been like if vince would have lost and jerry jarrett would have ran the company is that what the story is is so, that what happened something like that that you know i you know i've mentioned before that i listened to i subscribed to dave Meltzer in the wrestling observer podcast and i think a listener emailed a question about that a while back asking okay. dave about that and dave said that yeah if um, Vince would have lost that, they had things set up that Jerry Jarrett was going to take over the company when Vince was gone. Um, Well, I mean, Jerry Jarrett did a lot of great things with Memphis. I haven't been able to watch a lot like we did last week with the WCCW um, podcast. I did say that was an area that I'd like to watch a lot more of, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if he had experience running a nationwide company and i think that would be my only um i don't know my only thing that i wasn't wouldn't be so sure of i'm sure vince probably had other people lined up too to help out jerry jarrett right yeah jerry jarrett maybe would just be on more of the creative side yeah but i did hear that jerry jarrett was supposed to take over if vince would have lost that's interesting Um, probably a lot more double j a lot more 1999 esque Jeff Jarrett booking. Yeah, slap nuts. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett would have won the WWF title then. <laughs> With you vomiting, that goes into my number two. Stone okay. Cold Steve Austin. Oh, all right, all just, right. Just because I feel like if it wasn't for the whole Montreal screw job helping build McMahon as a heel character, it wouldn't have bumped up Stone Cold to where he was as fast as he was as... Stone Cold Steve Austin, ninety seven, ninety eight. Right. You know, I'll see Vince and Vince and Stone Cold were starting to have some kind of a feud before the whole Montreal screw job, but I felt like Vince screwing Bret Hart over in the yeah, Survivor Series ninety seven helped put the heat on Vince, which helped rubbed off, helped put Stone Cold Stone over Cold as have. their new WWF champion, as their new main event star when. Shawn Michaels left with a back injury. Yes. So, yeah, well, so, so I'll close my number two. Right. Well, and, you know, I'll go with it. Uh, that is my number one. I think it's one of the best, um, one of the best feuds ever. I just, you know, it's got so many different twists and turns in it. Uh, 
each side gains the advantage and, you know, loses it. And there's just so much going on. Um, yeah, I, I, that's my number one. I think it's the, the basis, good or bad for like everything that's came behind it. And, um, yeah, so that's my number one. So cool. My number one was your number two. So we, we, yeah, we had stuff switched around. My number one was Ted Turner and world championship wrestling. Oh, very good, very good. I feel like with Ted Turner buying out Jim Crockett Promotions and turning it to WCW, you know, brought the best out of professional wrestling and brought the best out of Vince, Vince McMahon. You know, I am sad that WCW ended the way it did. I'm sad that, you know, it was pretty much a money-losing company. I'm sad that AOL and Time Warner merged together and they, and they threw out professional wrestling from their TV and all that. But I felt like, uh, like you said, <coughs> Ted Turner and WCW brought out the best out of Vince McMahon and WWF. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, oh, so we, you know, we can, I know you'll agree with me that their pro wrestling hasn't been the same since WCW closed its doors in March of 2001. Sure, I agree. And, you know, it's been almost 15 years to that, and, yeah, uh, WWF hasn't been the same, and... I don't know if he'll ever be the same again since yeah. WCW left. Yep, I think you're right. So yeah, we might, so yeah, that was uh, our top five Vince Vince McMahon feuds, which I greatly enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. So we might as well wrap it up a little bit. Do you have any closing comments or thoughts, Beverly? Um, I hate Jeff Jarrett. Um, I love everyone who listens to the podcast. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, so we might as well go into plugs for the week. Uh, also, you know, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com backslash main event status radio. You know, talk to us there. You know, usually when each podcast drops, you know, I usually post a link and all that on Facebook. Talk to us on Twitter, you know, for Beverly, for Beverly, it's Beverly Hills MES. That's correct, right, Beverly? You got it, man. And then now uh, for me, Dirty Dog MES. On Twitter, that's dog as in D A W G, dirty dog M E S. You know, and, and uh, maineventstatus dot com. That's our website, maineventstatus dot com. You know, talk to us on there. Leave a comment on the podcast and all that. Then also on iTunes, you know, search us out on the podcast feed. You know, type in main event status radio and it pops up. So check us out on iTunes. You know, check us out on all four. Talk to us. You know, on Facebook, Twitter, and our website. So yeah, for for Beverly Hills, this is the Dirty Dog, and we'll talk to you guys after the matches. Has Vince brainwashed all these guys? This thing is the cock of the walk. I'm sick of these promos. The guys that are just so angry at somebody for doing something that's not wrestling. Yeah. He's done it all. That is so Vince McMahon. Yes, it is. That is that is Vince McMahon to a T. Your life should be pro wrestling. It should be pro wrestling when you wake up. It should be pro wrestling when you eat your breakfast. It should be pro wrestling when you eat your lunch. It should be pro wrestling in the airports, obviously. It should be pro wrestling on the airplane, which we've seen many times. It should be pro wrestling in the arenas. It should be pro wrestling afterwards at the hotel. And it should be pro wrestling when you go to bed. And then you start over again the next day. The idea that you would want to have anything in your life that's not pro wrestling is such an appalling thing to Vince McMahon. 
That's why so many careers have gone awry, have gone off the rails. That's why guys aren't with the company right now, because they wanted to do something that wasn't wrestling. Vince cannot handle this. So now it has to be a storyline every week. How dare you go write a book? How dare you write a book? How dare you do Dancing with the Stars? Wow! How dare you go out there and bring the WWE brand into the mainstream by being a WWE superstar on Dancing with the Stars? How dare you? Now I have to hear it. It's one thing when you have to hear it with John Cena and The Rock. Now I got to hear it with John Cena and The Rock and with CM Punk and Chris Jericho. I'm going to WrestleMania! So hopefully I never have to hear it again. Have hobbies, everybody. It's healthy. And it's done in the whole world that I might wake up in a sweat. My clothes in a pile on the floor. All my baby dolls in a frenzy. Because he's going to take it from me. And I'll say it again. I'm going to WrestleMania. All right, everybody. want to wrap it up for today. I'll be back uh, tomorrow. Adios. Show, ladies and gentlemen.